January 7th, U.S. President Ronald Reagan announces economic sanctions against Libya. January 9th, after losing a patent battle with Polaroid, Kodak must give up its instant camera business. January 10th, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers scores his 34,000th career point during the win over the Indiana Pacers. Today, we're going way back to 1986. Hey y'all, welcome to the Wayback Recap, a podcast that obsessively explores all things past, from our favorites in TV and film, to pogo balls and pillow people. Remember pillow people? It was a pillow, it was a friend, it was both. <laughs> and then pogo balls, you know those things that looked like Saturn, there was a ball in the middle and then a piece of plastic for you to stand on it. And only the most coordinated kids could possibly operate a pogo ball. Most of us just fill a lot. Back then. I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And in this episode, we're talking about the Golden Girls, specifically season one, episode 15, In a Bed of Roses, which premiered on January 11th, 1986. Big year, 1986. You weren't even born yet at this point. No, but I was you were cooking. gestating. Yeah. Gestating. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Um, I was two, you know, living it up, the <laughs> best two-year-old life. I'm so excited to talk about the Golden Girls. I love this show. You love this show. Pretty universally loved at this point. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I would think that is probably one of my favorite shows, if not my favorite show. If we're talking, I'm a big put a TV show on to go to sleep, gal. <laughs> yeah, and you are. <laughs> Golden Girls are. A, it's a classic choice put it on all the time yeah it's also great just to have like background noise it's very comforting very comforting Girl, but also still a really great show 35 36 some odd years million later years later yeah betty white's still going strong we love you betty for those of you who don't know the golden girls was an american sitcom premiered in 1985 i think went on for about six seasons there was a spinoff wildly successful one of the most successful sitcoms of all time. And if we're talking about just being beloved, of course, but then we're talking syndication. Golden Girls made a fortune in syndication. Yeah, I feel like that was when I was first exposed to Golden Girls in syndication was probably on Lifetime. Lifetime. There, uh, I probably started watching Golden Girls, I would say, regularly when I was in high school. Yes. I remember it being kind of like on as I was younger, but I never really watched it because I was like, this ain't for me. <laughs> Little did I know. Totally it was my, just for Yeah, you. it was specifically made for me. <laughs> I watched Golden Girls when it was airing with my Aunt Lynette. And then my Aunt Lynette passed away right before I was a freshman in high school. And we moved from California to Kentucky. And I would watch the Golden Girls every afternoon. And it was a really sweet, like, it would make me think of my Aunt Lynette. It was, so Golden Girls has a real special place in my heart. The idea for Golden Girls originally came from a skit that was made to promote another show called Miami Vice. I have no emotional ties to Miami Vice. It was a cop drama in the 80s. It has since been redone by uh, Michael Bay. I don't think I've ever actually watched an episode of Miami Vice. No. I remember white suits. That's all I remember about Miami Vice. It used to come on FX. I remember that. No in kidding. Yeah, that's all I remember from it. Wow. So the skit was <laughs> creatively called Miami Nice. And it was about old ladies living in Miami, Florida. 
because Miami, Florida, a lot of people retire to Florida. So when people think of Florida, some people tie it directly like with senior citizens, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think that especially like South Florida, Miami. Definitely. Yeah. What are they called? Snowbirds? Snowbirds. Yeah. A lot of times people are from other places and retire to yeah, Florida yeah. because it's nice and warm. Sounds like torture to me, but to each their own. Yeah. Miami Nice featured Doris Roberts, who is, of course, a lot of people know her today from Everybody Loves Ray. Everybody Loves Raymond? Is that what it was called? I didn't watch the show. I didn't either, but yeah, it's definitely Raymond. <laughs> Everybody Loves Raymond, where she played the mom. And then it also featured Selma Diamond, who I know from Night Court, because she played Bailiff Selma Hacker. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Night Court. Wow. <laughs> There'll be a Night Court episode coming there, up. I I, Night Court was one of those shows I actually watched as it was airing. Me too. Yeah, wow. Love Night Court. Still love Night Court. Still love courtroom dramas. This yeah. is, Night Court is not a courtroom drama. <laughs> I am a television lawyer with as much credentials and times I spent like watching anything. 800 law and order. Objection. Yeah. yeah. I think without Night Court, you don't even get Law and Order, really. Uh, I think that Law and Order, the original series, was out before that. No. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to fact check that one. I have a thing. I have a feeling that Night Court was before Law and Order. So we had our fact checkers come in to tell us that Night Court, in fact, did come out before Law and Order. So now, that will... doesn't mean that they're related at all. But I'm yeah. going to make the sweeping generalization that without you Night Court... You are good at doing those, yes. I am a, I'm, I'm a white woman, so I'm perfect at it. Uh, I'm going to say without Night Court, you don't get Law and Order. All right. Even though they're very different and have nothing to do with each other. We digress. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, NBC Big big wig warren littlefield loved this idea of miami nice and he was like i want to see more of this so he reached out to a writer to do a mock-up of the pilot yeah that writer struggled so he gave it to his wife susan harris who wrote the pilot up no problem warren warren littlefield loved it green light let's make this show Casting was going to be difficult because as some of you may or may not know, in Hollywood, you have an expiration date of 40, especially if you're a woman. So finding four female actors over 50 years old, let's say, was going to be tricky. That wasn't really what was, that wasn't the hot, that wasn't the hotness. So the creators decided that they were going to first cast Sophia, who is the oldest character on the golden girls she plays another golden girl dorothy her mom so they thought let's let's cast sophia first because then the other women will have to be of a daughter age to the whoever plays sophia so it made sense casting director judith weiner had just seen estelle getty on broadway the year before and immediately sought her out for sophia even though estelle getty once the show would be cast Estelle Getty would be one of the younger girls. Yeah. Both uh, Betty White and B. Arthur were older than Estelle Getty. Wow. As such, she had to go through a three-hour-long transformation to become Sophia. She wore heavy makeup, thick glasses, and a white wig in order to look the part. Now, I would rather stand on my tongue than say something bad about somebody. <laughs> Especially Estelle Getty. Especially my birthday twin, Estelle Getty. <laughs> There is no way that took three hours. I think this was a 
uh, this was days gone by. So if she had to wear any sort of prosthetics, that would take a while. Okay. And just doing my makeup takes 65 minutes. Okay. And I'm just one person just doing regular makeup. Okay. So, you know, grain of salt. I I mean, I'm not accusing you of lying (laughs) on the three hours. I'm just saying, I feel like big glasses, white wig, we're in. Powder, done. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's a good point. It's not like HD TV. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like looking at still getting like, oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the big, I, even when we were just watching the show for research, the big glasses really do obscure a lot. Like you don't see a lot of her face really. You just see the big glasses. The character of Sophia was thought by the creators to enhance the idea that these three retirement aged women could be quote unquote young. Disney's Michael Eisner, who owned NBC at the time, explains Estelle Getty made our three women into girls. And that, to him, made it seem like a more contemporary young show. Estelle Getty suffered terrible stage fright all throughout the show. Not only was she used to Broadway, where you learn your lines and then you perform those lines for a year. This is week TV, so she's getting a new script every single week, having to memorize lines. I understand that being very scary normally. And then as her, as she got older, it became even harder and harder for her to remember her lines, which then produced even greater stage fright because now she was afraid she wouldn't even remember her lines. Yeah, that's a real fear. Like, I mean, I've only done like one, two plays, but not, I don't know, just standing up there and not knowing what to do is would be terrifying. I... Don't quote me on this, but public speaking, people would rather jump off a bridge than t- speak in front of people normally. Like, people suffer terrible stage fright under the best of circumstances. So I really feel for Estelle here, because that seems horrible. Yeah. Rue McClanahan shared a dressing room with Estelle, and she told stories before she passed that there were days you couldn't even get Estelle out of the dressing room. Wow. That she was just petrified, and that breaks my heart. Yeah, that would, oh man, right? she seemed like such a sweet person, I know. which is really upsetting. On top of that, she felt like she had very, she came from a different background than sitcom veterans Rue McClanahan, Betty White, and B. Arthur. Seriously, Who though. had extensive sitcom experience. I, res- I totally understand why she was nervous and struggled with this. I'm, controversial statement. <laughs> I would say that, like. Estelle Getty is probably the most, like, everyone's favorite Golden Girl. I mean, it's hard to choose between them. It is hard to choose. But I feel like Sophia, Sophia really steals the show. all the time. Be- uh, if I remember correctly, I believe Estelle Getty wasn't even, like, um, supposed to be a series regular. Right. Like, I guess that she tested so well with audiences that they decided to write her into the series that way, right? That was, and, it's, and that was an excellent choice. Oh, yeah. Like, Sophia balances that group out. Oh, yeah. Like, without Sophia, it's not the Golden Girls. No. 100% totally agree. The pilot's director, Jay Sandrich, is how Betty White and Rue McClanahan came to production, as they had all been a part of Mama's Family. I love Mama's Family. I also love Mama's Family. Yeah, I will watch Mama's Family. Iola, let me tell you. Okay. (laughs) There is a Mama's Family episode coming, and it is going to be great. (laughs) Because we love Mama's Family. <laughs> I have vivid memories of watching that shit. Originally, producers wanted Rose for Rue and Betty for Blanche, as the women had played similar characters in the past. Which, like, 
you know, in 1984, that makes sense. That's not the most outrageous thing. Yeah. But typecasting. Typecasting is real. But both women were hesitant. They, you know, no one wants to do the same role over and over and over again. No. You want to be challenged. So eventually they ended up switching. <laughs> While writing, Susan Harris had written the role of Dorothy Zabornak as a B. Arthur type. The network wanted to cast Elaine Stritch, who today is best known as Colleen uh, Donaghy on 30 Rock, yeah. who everybody loves, myself included. Jackie boy. <laughs> but Elaine bombed her audition. Oof, been there. I, my heart goes out to people who audition, period. Never mind a bad audition. I've had ba- bad auditions in my life, and it is crippling. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. Susan Harris reached out to Rue McClanahan to reach out to B, as Rue and B had been on the show Mod together. At first, B said no. She didn't want to repeat her mod roles, just like the other two women. But when B. Arthur found out that Betty and Rue had switched roles, she came on board. That was enough to get her there, which is great, because the show is... Nobody else on Earth could have played Dorothy's Vornak. Okay, let me ask you this. So are they talking about... What role was Betty White playing? Because um, I remember she's on Mary Tyler Moore show, but like my memory of Mary Tyler Moore is very like kind of like distant. Sure. Right now, um, with all the medications in my system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but was she kind of a slut on that, or yeah, was she more slutty she... on? Um... I think it was from Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, okay. I think that's where she kind of played the promiscuous, flirty. Because wasn't she on Mama's Family? She was her sister, right? I think so. And then Rue played the daughter. Right. Right. Fenton. I'm sorry. I just, I just love the name Fenton. I'm naming I a dog. I also love the name Fenton. You got to get a dog named Fenton. You got to get a dog named Fenton. Fenton and Ruby? <laughs> Fenton and Bernie, man. Also great. Fenton and Bernice. They sound like they belong on Mama's family. I, they, yes. You know. Ruby's it. getting a sister named Iola. So. Oh, I love that. Dog talk. Dog chat, dog <laughs> chat. So with all four roles cast, it was ready to go. It's a shame that when we talk about a show that features four actresses, the first question that always comes up is, is if there was any cattiness on the show. Yeah, that's wild. But I mean, I feel like it's kind of known Well, if you're like in the golden girl circle. Sure. And I think if you're looking at it like this, Betty White for real and then also b arthur had been in this game since the 30s yeah so even by 1985 betty and b were bringing 60 years worth of hollywood experience behind them yeah these are some established actors so i feel like whenever they're like oh there's cattiness so what like why is that the first thing we talk about Truly and honestly, both had very prolific careers before and after right, this. Right. So it's just a shame. Having said that, B and Betty did not get along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's really upsetting to me. I wish they, I mean, they're people. They no, have their own problems. exactly. They were always professional, but they weren't friends. Betty had a habit of breaking the fourth, the fourth wall a lot. She would also engage with the live studio audience. Which, as a member of the live studio audience, 
was delightful. I, oh, bet you, yeah. But your co-actors are going to get annoyed when you blow the take because you you wink at the camera. Yeah, and also, like, bitch, this is work. I'm trying to go home. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? I have a hard stop at 3 o'clock, Betty. <laughs> that is when I need to be in my car on the freeway. I know that, B. <laughs> I know that's true. I need you to stop fucking around right now so I can get home to my dog. 800%. B. Arthur's son, Matthew Sachs, later spoke about the tension between the two actresses, stating that his mother, quote, unknowingly carried an attitude that it was fun to have someone to be angry at. It was most like it was almost like Betty became a nemesis just so that B had one, someone to roll her eyes at. I'm not saying that's right, but I think B and I have this in common. <laughs> <laughs> I also have someone in my office I cannot stand and that I would eliminate immediately based on nothing. <laughs> I just don't like them. It's all there is to it. <laughs> hey, man. I wonder if there was something that happened. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going into like the kind sure, of like uh, gossip uh, K-hole here. Uh, opposed to just my regular usual K-holes. <laughs> um, but I wonder like what went on. Like you said, both of them had like 60 years experience. Yeah. What was going on before? Did right. they know each other before? Right. Was there some drama before? But right. they were like, oh, I'll work. But I guess not because if if there really was any bad blood before, then they probably wouldn't have worked together. I think in a normal circumstance, I would totally agree with you. But we have to remember both of these actresses are quote unquote over the hill. True. I don't know how many offers either one of them were turning down in 1985. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. I mean, that's real. You have to really think about how sexist, like, the right. machine is. Plus, you know, these women were peers for 30 years. Don't tell me there wasn't a, you were mean to my girl, you rolled your eyes at my boyfriend, you beat me for a job. No. Yeah. There could be a thousand reasons. However, if we know that Rue McClanahan and... Estelle Getty shared a dressing room? Does that mean B. Arthur and Betty White shared a dressing room? That was what I was wondering too, Could this right? this be the root of the problem? You're like, I can't stand you because you like to listen to Enya on blast. All my, I don't even think Enya was a thing. You never turn the light off. Why can't you turn the light off? <laughs> you ate my snacks. Close the cupboard. Why do you leave the cupboard open? Close it, you animal. Who knows? That's very interesting. That is very interesting that you pose that because yeah. it's like, okay, did they share? These are all, I have no proof of any of this. No. This is just us wildly speculating. Like every piece of information you get on the show. Man. <laughs> so before we get into the into the meat of this episode, I wanted to mention that this show featured many successful writers. Susan Harris, of course, was the head writer of the show. She was excellent. She wrote an episode of every single TV show that existed in the 1970s. Yeah, truly. If you liked it, she wrote it. Uh, she wrote for Benson for a long time, All in the Family. Golden Girls also featured other writers that would go on later to have huge success. Mark Cherry, of course, who developed the Desperate Housewife, Desperate Housewife franchise. And Mitchell Hurwitz, who would go on to create Arrested Development. Not my favorite, but I know other people love it. I love Arrested Development. The episode we're talking about today, in a in a bed of roses. The episode begins with Rose arriving home with her current boyfriend, Al Beatty. They're standing at the door saying goodnight. And you can tell uh, both Al and Rose kind of feeling the itch. They've been dating for a month. 
maybe it's a uh, maybe it's time to spend the night. Let me okay. <laughs> Not to throw my business out there, but I mean we're all friends here. Yes, we are. And there's no judgment. I don't think I have ever waited a month to sleep with somebody. No, I mean you're a notorious slut. Yes, very much so. <laughs> Why I identify with Golden Girl so much. I'm very much them. I feel like this may have caused this. You know, I think for every person it's different. We have to remember that Rose comes from Minnesota. That's true. A different pretty conservative town. town. Yeah. She's a widow. I'm That's not true. sure if this is Rose's first four-way back into dating or not. No, she dated Arnie. Well, oh. I mean, I don't necessarily think she and Arnie had sex. Right. But. So Rose's boyfriend says, you know, I can be quiet. Let's just, let's go in. Rose is nervous. She's never brought a man back to here before. Back to Blanche's house. But Al says, you know, don't worry about it, honey. We can keep it quiet. It'll just be us. Al's horny. Al is desperate for it. Yeah. I get it. Betty's a catch. Eventually, Rose agrees, and they giggle back to her bedroom. Yeah. We're both... I, I'm quiet, too. <laughs> I'm quiet. I'm quiet as a mouse. I'm quiet right now. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about the Golden Girls house is that it's a architecture... It's, like, impossible architecturally all of the rooms have windows there's no it's very interesting rose's room specifically has no neighbors like rose lives to the left of the hallway while all the other girls sophia dorothy and blanche are on the right of the hallway so really she doesn't share a room with any of the girls so she shouldn't be nervous and her room's huge we see it all the time she shouldn't even be nervous about making noise She's on the other side of the house. You don't know how noise travels in that house, girl. Or how... You thin don't know walls. what Rose Could is be doing. Thin walls. Also, we don't know Yeah, thin walls. God, I mean... Been there. The next day, Blanche and Dorothy are making breakfast. And both mention hearing activity in Rose's room last night. Well, it must have been some dream you're having last night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dorothy doesn't talk like that, but I just... Dorothy immediately gives Rose the benefit of the doubt. Oh, Dorothy's yeah. like, oh, did you have a bad dream? Like, what was happening? While Blanche is giggling that those sounds sound like love making sounds. <laughs> She's like, isn't it weird that nightmares and sex sound exactly the same? Question mark. And Rose vehemently denies it. No, 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 no. I just, I just, Dorothy's right. Like, I was just having a nightmare. However, when Sophia arrives and reveals that she went into Rose's room to put away laundry... And she saw a man in Rose's bed. Furthermore, the man that she saw in Rose's bed is dead. The ladies erupt. Rose comes clean and says, yeah, she did bring Al last night, but he's just sleeping. Sophia's, you know, Sophia's jumping to conclusion she's wrong. But Sophia points out she used to live at Shady Pines retirement home. And if she knows one thing, she knows a dead body when she sees one. Oh, yeah. I love it whenever we reference Shady Pines. I tell my mother, who is older than all of these women on this show, <laughs> I always tell them, like, you know, sh I make Shady Pine jokes all the time with my mom. My mom, who has never seen an episode of The Golden Girls and what? does not understand Shady Pine's jokes, I make them all the time at her anyway, and I always laugh. Yeah, that's all you really need. And then it's like, she made that joke, it was like, death comes to visit more than children at it's Shady really Pine. Yeah. Really Which, good. I mean, really solid. Dark. Our retirement homes are going to be really fun. Are they? <laughs> I don't really Millennial know. retirement homes are going to be full of Kelly Clarkson. 
and MTV reality shows. It's going to be great. I don't know why, but I just picture like old uh, retirement homes because I haven't been to one in quite a quite a bit of time uh just like people playing like on a what's it called like sonograph what is the like the old time oh a phonograph phonograph yeah the kelly clark since you've been gone on a record 100 million like mr burns (laughs) (laughs) i love it like so many other times sophia really steals this scene like he's dead her line reading is just really excellent and makes me laugh every time you can light firecrackers in his nostrils. <laughs> you won't wake him. Rose really thinks this motherfucker is like sleep or trying to convince herself that he's sleep. She is, you hit the nail on the head. She is desperately trying to convince herself. Like Betty's great in this scene. She looks petrified. Like not only is she, she's embarrassed because the other ladies know. Like oh, she yeah. already didn't want this to happen. Now Sophia is saying he is dead. What? No, this is too. I haven't even had coffee yet. Like, oh, you guys are just attacking me in the morning. I would scream. I would. Yeah, it's early in the morning. I put on my nicest <laughs> coral jumpsuit. I guess it's not a jumpsuit. It's more of like a sweater. All of combo. The, all of all of the ladies are wearing several layers of pastel sweaters. Yeah, that in is, Miami. I'm Dress code. Very wearing chilly. That in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> now the the group is now. Now they have to make a decision about who's going to go check on the body. Who's going to check to see if Al's dead. Rose cannot. She says, absolutely, I'm not going in there. No, you can't make me. I'm not going to do it. Blanche has a phobia of dead bodies, which I think Real. all people have phobias of dead bodies. Like, I don't, except for a small populace, I don't think a lot of people want to see dead bodies. No. But I digress. I don't definitely want to see a dead body, but I kind of identify with Blanche on that. I think you identify with Blanche a lot. Very much so. I'm more of a Dorothy, obviously. Eventually, Dorothy agrees to go check on to go check on the body. I don't think she agrees. I think she just got fed up with everything. She gets frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. And as she storms off, she immediately comes back in and asks Sophia to go with her. (laughs) (laughs) She needs her mom. It's so sweet. I still love it. Unfortunately, Dorothy verifies that Al is indeed dead. Sophia was so excited to announce that he's dead. Like she was like, "I was right. Y'all just didn't know." Sophia lives for a "I was right" moment. Me too. She's a Leo through and through. Like, don't even get me started. (laughs) Man, I am an amalgamation of Estelle Gaddy and I guess well the character. You're a Sophia Blanche combo. Sophia Blanche combo with the genetics of Rose. So yeah, I'm a Dorothy Sophia combo. I think, except. I could never. I need Dorothy wears a lot of straight up and down clothing. I need a silhouette. I'm a in my clothes. Blanche son of Sophia Rising. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all Sophia Rising for sure. So now that we've confirmed that Al is dead, we need to notify his sister because in the scene before this, the reason they couldn't go to Al's house is because Al said he lives with his sister and she's a super light sleeper. So that's why they had to spend the night at Rose's house to begin with. Which, first of all, Rose, let me tell you, as a former slut, <laughs> if someone tells you they live with a sibling or something like that, usually it's a lie. It's a lie. And I am super close with my big brother. And if we were both single senior citizens and we lived together, there would only be high fives <laughs> about bringing somebody home. Like, way to go. <laughs> A's across the board. Yeah, I don't know. I'm only proud. 
So because this has been the olden times, Blanche has to dig out what an old, old artifact called a Yellow Pages phone book in order to find Al Beatty's phone number <laughs> in Boca Raton. So they find the Beatty's phone number and they convince Rose eventually that she has to make the phone call. So Rose dials the phone. Hi, is this, uh, is this uh, Miss Beatty? Rose is quiet. And then we just see Rose respond with nods. We don't hear a lot of the conversation. And Rose hangs up and looks even more upset. And Dorothy says, well, you know, did you tell her? And Rose is like, uh, Al's sister wasn't there. The only person who was there was Al's wife. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Bad news. I feel like that would be a major punch in the gut especially for rose who already is like upset already upset dead guy in your bed not only is there a dead guy in your bed but your dead guy in the bed is married yeah and you just had to tell his wife or you, oh, you haven't yet because yeah. you panicked because you bailed because you weren't Truly. expecting his wife to answer so dorothy and blanche kind of psych rose back up and convince her that she has to go tell mrs Beatty in person that she has to go explain the situation it's too complicated. You owe her this. Wearing her Sunday best, Rose arrives to, and tells Mrs. Beatty, Lucille, the truth about Rose's relationship with this woman's husband. Lucille is played by Priscilla Morrell, most famous for her role as Edie Grant on the Mary Tyler Moore show, which means she must have had experience with Betty White so before. That's cool. Maybe. Maybe, know. maybe not. Yeah. Again, my Mary Tyler Moore knowledge. Same. I'd be happy to explore it more. <laughs> and we will, I'm sure. So I feel like that's television history, right? Definitely. Like, this is just, like a really popular show. First woman to ever wear pants on TV, Mary Tyler Moore. Man. I'm Dick Van Dyke Show. So Priscilla really steals this scene. She and Betty White have a really fun rapport together. Yeah. And it really it shows that they're having a good time. When Rose tells Lucille the truth. She's surprised when Lucille is not surprised at all to hear about Al's cheating. Lucille explains that Al has been sleeping with other women the entirety of their marriage, starting on their honeymoon. That's that hurts up. my feelings. My feelings are hurt by that. Like, yeah. bruh, on the honeymoon. Yeah, and that she already knew about it. Like, this was not a secret. Priscilla was, or I'm sorry, Lucille was totally. She knew all about Al. And she just accepted it? That's crazy for me. Their house is pretty fat, man. It's a nice place. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it is... Lots uh, of beautiful furniture. Antiques. Definitely He was antiques. a diamond importer. Wow, that's right. Good yeah. remembering. Yeah, they man. had a good living. Maybe she was just like, listen... I, I got love, stuff on the side, too. I love diamonds. <laughs> Maybe they had an agreement. Maybe yep. Lucille saw other people. Who? Maybe they were very forward-thinking. And while Lucille accepts this, she, she has a harder time when Rose tells Lucille that Al is dead and that he died in Rose's bed and that it's Rose's fault. Al died while they were making love, which is the exact same way Rose's husband, Charlie, died. But Lucille says, no, 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 you're being crazy. That was not it. I'm sure of it. But Rose cannot be convinced. It's a great scene. Priscilla and Betty are a delight to watch. 
and yeah, I think I think Priscilla really kills it. Do you think this was Ryan Murphy's inspiration for uh, American Horse, American Horror Story Coven with Zoe's character? Yes, is, I do. Is think it Zoe? This, <laughs> I don't know. It's Chloe. Chloe, I think. Oh my gosh! But I still love it as an inspiration. <laughs> yes, I think. I don't know why now all I can think about is Jessica Lang. That's not perfect. Yeah. Could you imagine Jessica Lang playing Gone Girl? That's what I was just, that's what, that's immediately where my brain went to of Jessica Lang playing all four characters. <laughs> but only as, uh... but only as her American horror story characters. Oh yeah. 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 So there's like the mean neighbor from <laughs> and then Fiona. Fiona good. And then the carnival leader. <laughs> I love Jessica Lang. Back at home, Rose is heartbroken. And as a result, she announces that she's becoming a nun. She's giving up sex forever. Couldn't she, be me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think that's a direct quote from Blanche, first of all. <laughs> also a direct quote from Brandon. <laughs> During their conversation, Dorothy and Rose explained to Blanche that this is also how Charlie died. So it's interesting that, like, that Dorothy knew that that's how Charlie died, but Blanche didn't know. Yeah, that was actually a past episode that they um, established, like, kind of continuity that Rose had already confided that into Dorothy. Good job. Yeah. Interesting. Blanche is totally bewildered. She's like, what? What do you do in bed, Rose? Like, <laughs> Blanche isn't judging at all. She's more just curious. <laughs> Likewise, I'm telling you, me and Blanche are the same person when it comes to this. So as she does, Rose tells a story about St. Olaf, her hometown, about a woman who clearly maliciously killed her husband. During this story, and I always encourage you when you're watching the Golden Girls, whenever Rose is telling a St. Olaf story, keep your eye on B. Arthur. <laughs> because B. Arthur loses it all the time she maybe didn't like betty white but she sure as shit thought she was funny oh yeah because even during this scene b arthur has to turn her head and like basically look into her elbow so that the camera does not see her cracking up because she's cracking up and i, I love, love it i love watching actors break it's my favorite that night the girls are going square dancing dorothy is wearing a very heavy plaid garment maybe dress maybe a top and skirt we're not sure blanche shows up in a cowgirl satin fringed outfit it's amazing if a person were ever to appropriately do an impression of blanche i would request this satin cowgirl outfit satin cowgirl because <laughs> it makes me happy on the sofa we find rose who's in her who is already in her robe she is not going square dancing. And you know that's hard for her to say because you know Rose Nyland loves square dancing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure St. Olaf had the best square dance. I bet it got turned. And I bet Rose was great at it because from the dance marathon episode, we know that yeah, Rose. Rose is a great dancer. Also, sidebar, did you ever do square dancing in school at all? We did it, yes, in eighth grade. Oh, wow. We were learning square dancing. I feel like it was like my ninth grade year that we learned square dancing. It was like a part of our gym curriculum. I was like, why am I ever going to need to learn this? Eighth grade, it was also part of our gym curriculum. Furthermore, it was taught by a coach, a lady coach, who 
would no more go square dancing than she would tap dance on the fucking ceiling. <laughs> so she's explaining it to us, and she's like, this is the stupidest thing we're ever doing. Why is it Get in, in a square? I don't know. I have no idea. I wonder if it's still a thing. Like, if you have young people in your life, did they learn square dancing in school? Maybe it's like a, maybe it's a, maybe it no longer is part of curriculum is what I'm trying to say. I mean, Inga Lundquist, <laughs> what is she, some Swedish lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> so while both Dorothy and Blanche are trying are trying to convince Rose to come, you know, just come and dance. Even if you think having sex with a man will kill him, dancing won't. Come dance. If you're dancing right, you definitely going <laughs> to kill him, in my opinion. But Rose refuses. She says absolutely not. And by the time Sophia shows up in her bolo tie and cowboy hat, Rose isn't budging. She, Sophia's adorable in her little cowboy she outfit. She looks adorable. And the audience erupts when when Sophia comes out. That's why I always think back to Estelle Getty because I feel like if you're the studio audience, right? I'm there to see Sophia. Yeah, she says the most outrageous things. Like she's the funniest. She like Yeah, she's gonna give you that one line. She's the star of the show. Agreed, man. She's so, the alf of the show. Right. And so it makes me really sad that she struggled so much yeah. when I think she was beloved. We see a flash forward of a couple weeks. We're out on the lanai. Sophia and Blanche are cheating during a card game with Dorothy. When Rose pops back up, she's got luggage. She's about to go away for the weekend with her new beau, Arnie. Despite her fears, she's going to go on this trip. Good for you, Rose. It's so hard to get back on the horse. (laughs) And she's wearing a remarkable dress. Yeah, her pilgrim's best. Uh, it's it's, it's a... very pilgrim chic, minus the chic. <laughs> Awaiting her return, Blanche and Dorothy speculate about whether or not Rose slept with Arnie. It's a fun conversation because it gives Dorothy a chance to rip on her ex Stan, which is one of my favorite things. Oh yeah, we love a good Stan joke love in this a, house. Love a Stan Rose. When Rose returns. She tells her roommates that Arnie died. And then when the sheriff came and Rose told them what happened, that, that they slept together, that's, that's how he died. The sheriff didn't convince, didn't believe her. So she slept with the sheriff. But then the sheriff died. Blanche and Dorothy are shocked, horrified. But Rose starts to giggle. <laughs> and she says, just kidding. We had a great time. Just, Nothing happened. Just kidding. I got dicked down all weekend. <laughs> it was we should bomb. all be so lucky. But Blanche and Dorothy are pissed. And they storm out of the kitchen. Mad forever. <laughs> what? I feel like that's a good joke. <laughs> it's a great joke. If you can't make a joke, what are we doing here, folks? Also, I love that Blanche's apron matches her pants. Was that intentional? I don't know. It's like the same material, same color, same fabric. It's all the same. And it's kind of dope that she matched her pants. Her I agree. Here's a little note about the clothes on Golden Girls. Everything that the Golden Girls wear that Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche wear are all like off the rack from department stores. Whoa. So if you were around at this time, you could have bought the same clothes that Dorothy, 
Blanche and Rose were wearing. I think Rue McClanahan had, had written in her contract that like anything she wore on the show that she got the key. Baller. Love it. Yeah. Genius. I would love that. Me too. Reese Witherspoon does that too. Really? Yeah. I bet you Rue McClanahan still has that, uh, what was it? The, the negligee? The... Oh no. I was thinking oh. more so from the episode where she was, uh, they did Chicken Little. You think she still oh, has that? Oh yes! Penny. Like Henny Penny. Goosey Lucy. That's a good episode too. We'll do that episode. I love that episode. And so the girl storming out of the kitchen is the end of the episode. Claps all around. This episode was one of the first on which the writers were really pushing the envelope. According to, according to Golden Girls Forever, a book about the show, the broadcasting department at NBC were not particularly keen on airing this episode because it's all about sex. And this is 1985, guys. Like... Not only are we not talking about sex on shows, we are definitely not talking about senior citizen sex on shows. And they're having lots of like, sex. Like, this is a very taboo yeah. subject. In his book, Golden Girls Forever, an unauthorized look behind the lanai, Jim Colucci tells a story about how this episode really pushed the envelope. Apparently, NBC and broadcasting people like the standards and practices people were very angry that this episode not angry but were upset that this episode was such a blatant reference to sex like this whole episode is about sex period all there is to it i love it i love it more sex episodes (laughs) well and you know there aren't a ton of episodes all women shows talking about sex in 1985 absolutely never mind women over 40 i'm just just, (laughs) see the over 40 So on the set, everybody sat down and there was a page-by-page reading of the script. The broadcasting people were said it was inappropriate to air a reference to a woman orgasming loudly. Remember, at the beginning of the episode, Blanche is talking about the noises she heard sounding like sex. Oh, yeah. So here's the, like, they were upset with this reference. There wasn't even a sound of a woman orgasming. There was just a reference to the sound of a woman orgasming. That is wild. God, get a life, people. Susan Harris, who wrote the episode, she needed some clarification. She said, okay, NBC officials, is it NBC's official position that it's only okay for men to make noises during sex? Is the problem that it's a woman making noise during sex? Boss move. Susan Harris is bomb and great. Immediately, of course, they start backpedaling. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You know, it's just, it's just sex. It's just inappropriate. We can't do it. But Susan Harris, allegedly, we don't have confirmation of this. She told me in a group chat. (laughs) I wish (laughs) that she lowered her glasses and just stared at these men until they all backed down. (laughs) And I love that narrative. And it's the one I'm going with. (laughs) Furthermore, she she ignored the notes from broadcasting and the, the episode went on unchanged. She changed nothing. And I love it. Susan Harris, you're the best. Golden Girls was not was not shy to talk about real life. Yeah, that's one of the great things about it's the show. It's really one of the best parts of the show. In the 1980s, Golden Girls talked about every possible like controversial topic of the time. We talked about same-sex marriage, coming out, homelessness, poverty, 
AIDS, discrimination against people with AIDS or HIV, immigration policy, sexual harassment, teenage pregnancy, adultery, bad medical care, sexism, miscegenation, interracial marriage, environmentalism, addiction. Poignant. It's all this is that is wild. This was a comedy that had a whole episode that dealt with the idea that Rose might have transmitted HIV. A whole episode. We had a whole episode where Blanche's brother comes out to her. Yeah. We have an episode about assisted suicide, nuclear war. Like, every, like, this was monumental show. There, I know there are times where I saw a Golden Girls episode talk about something that I had never heard talked about before. Yeah. I mean, for me, I had watched it later in life, so I kind of had, like, a, a kind of a grasp. But even in when I was watching it, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, I was like, wow, this show is, like, really hitting topics that, like, I can't believe that we still... And even now, to this day, it's just, like, still stuff that we would find relative. 100 million percent. Show me a television show where all of the leads are over 40 years old. Exactly. Hot in Cleveland? <laughs> I, I don't even think that's a real... I don't even think that's on anymore. I was going to say the uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> but it's a reality show. It's not a sitcom. <laughs> During its original run... The Golden Girls received a whopping 68 Emmy nominations and 11 Emmy wins. All four women would go on to win Emmys for the show. In the first year, in the season that we just watched in this this episode, Betty White won the Emmy for be- for outstanding um, comedic lead, performance. Lead female actress. There it or, is. Or, excuse me, lead. Yeah, some whatever that is. She won it. Yeah, she got <laughs> that award. For this episode. But B and Rue McClanahan were also nominated. Yeah, all so three of them in the same category as well. For a season, per, like season one, all three of the leads are getting nominations. That's a pretty good showing. Yeah, truly honest. B and Rue would go on to win, and then Estelle won too eventually. She won for Best Supporting, Yeah, which is interesting. I don't know why she would be supporting and not the same as the other girls. I mean, I think the origin, the originally wasn't it just supposed to be about like the three girls? I think so, yeah. Or, sure. you know. Golden Girls is one of four live action shows where all of the leads won Emmys. The other shows are All in the Family, Will and Grace, and Schitt's Creek, where all the principal actors won at least one Emmy. That's kind of, that's a cool club to be in because those are all really great shows. I mean, I don't really know much about All in the Family, but I definitely watched some Will and Grace and Schitt's Creek like it was my job. Huge Schitt's Creek fan. Huge Will and Grace fan. Golden Girls is an excellent program. I can't any time like like Brandon said earlier, it is a great show to just throw on. I can't think of a single person in, in my life who would turn down watching some Golden Girls. No, absolutely. And if they did, I wouldn't. They wouldn't be gonna, able, Yeah, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work for us. Bad news. We have fundamental things not in common. Please leave my home. <laughs> Please leave my home <laughs> is something I say quite often. <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or embarrassing confessions, please send us an email at thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Again, that's thewaybackrecap at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Maybe we'll post our favorite negligees. <laughs> <laughs> I have several that jump to my mind right away. I know Brandon does too. I'm wearing them now. Oh, sexy. Follow us on Instagram at thewaybackrecappod. If you would like to support the show and or listen to bonus content and exclusive episodes, visit our Patreon page. Our original cover art is by Laura Strobish. 
Remember, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow or subscribe to the Way Bet Recap. If you enjoy yourself, please rate and review the show. But if that's too much, we totally get it. Tell a friend. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> and join us next time. I'm Brandon. And I'm Patricia. And on behalf of the Wayback Recap, take, take care, care of each, each other, other y'all. y'all.